Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. So let's, so let's talk about your latest, your latest nonfiction book, Extortion 17. And I know that this is, a, a, this is an extremely important uh, deal for all of us. So... Ex- Take it. Take us through this uh, this uh, this situation. What happened? Uh, what went wrong? What happened here? Let everyone know. All right. Let me let me start with some basic. Extortion seventeen is the call sign for a United States military helicopter that was shot down in Afghanistan by the Taliban, August the sixth, two thousand eleven. You know, military aircraft have call signs. So does civilian aircraft. And so this was a was a two rotor troop chopper, a Chinook CH-47D, um, which is designed to carry troops and, and to carry equipment. It is basically defenseless, except for a small, uh, you know, machine gun on board, which uh, can be effective perhaps, you know, in, in, in low altitudes against ground forces with guns on the ground, if you're lucky, but it cannot defend itself against mortars or rockets or RPGs or anti-aircraft fire. So at 2.22 a.m. in northeastern Afghanistan in Logar province, bordering on the Pakistani border, a group of United States Navy SEALs from SEAL Team 6, the same group that six, that 96 days earlier was involved in the raid in Pakistan against the bin Laden compound, the same unit is ordered on board this old CH-47D Vietnam-era chopper. The chopper is piloted by a U.S. Army National Guard flight crew. The SEALs are ordered on board, 17 SEALs plus five U.S. Navy support personnel with the SEALs. So we have 22 Navy members on board. In addition, we have three U.S. Air Force operatives on board, special operators. That brings us to 25. Then with the five Army National Guard uh, flight crew, we have 30 Americans. The Americans, but the, the Americans aren't the only ones boarding this old chopper, Dr. Dan. There are also eight Afghans. The chopper takes off on a mission that should have been 10 minutes from wheels up to wheels down. It takes off along with a sister chopper, codenamed Extortion 16. So we have two American helicopters, transport choppers, taking off from this base at 2.22 a.m., one jam-packed with SEALs, the other strangely and inexplicably empty. These choppers take off, and they they head basically in the direction that is northeast to southwest, heading away from the Pakistani border into neighboring Wardak province. Now, these two choppers, Dr. Dan, these two troop choppers, one jam-packed with SEALs, Extortion 17, one empty, are joined immediately by two Army 
Apache attack helicopters capable of wiping out just about anything on the ground. And in in addition to the two other helicopters, we now have four helicopters, there is circling overhead a fixed-wing aircraft, a U.S. Air Force AC-130 gunship, which has more firepower than the two uh, uh, Apaches combined. This flight starts on its mission, and it is supposed to make calls in at the six-minute mark before landing, at the three-minute mark before landing, and the one-minute mark. At the six-minute mark, it makes a call in on time. But at the three-minute mark before landing, the chopper should have been on the ground at 2.32 a.m., having taken off at 2.22 a.m. There's nothing to chopper. At the one-minute mark, there's nothing to chopper. This chopper flies a pattern, Dr. Dan, that would resemble a fishing hook. You know, you've been fishing before, so you know that there's an eye at the top of the hook, and it comes down, it curls back up, and there's a little spear. The chopper flies along this fishing hook pattern, and when it turns back in, coming toward the spear, it is now flying in over this valley called the Tangy River Valley. There have been three attacks against U.S. military choppers in the 90 days before this mission. As it turns in, we lose contact with it. We don't know why. As it turns in, also, you remember the AC-130 gunship spots Taliban on the ground moving toward the landing zone where this chopper is headed. And that AC-130 requests permission to fire on the Taliban and to take them out. Now, here's one of the big problems with this case. The military denied permission to that gunship to take out Taliban. And that gunship moves in toward the landing zone. Extortion 17 is nine minutes late landing. It moves within 100 to 150 feet of the ground, and one of those Taliban gets off a shot with a rocket-propelled grenade, clips the back of the chopper, and brings it down. It drops 100 150 feet, catches fire, breaks into three main parts, and kills every American on board. So largest loss of life in the Afghan war for the U.S., largest loss of life in the history of the U.S. Navy SEALs. We find out later that, remember I said there were eight Afghans, we find out that seven unidentified Afghans infiltrated that flight. They were not supposed to be there, and that's just one of the many mysteries involving this this case. We start, though, with the rules of engagement. We start with an inexcusable request, and well, with a request by the AC-130 to take out the Taliban and make this landing zone safe, and it was denied. And so we start there. Now, what happened, Dr. Dan, is that when this chopper went down on the 6th of August, 2011, the very next day, August the 7th, the four-star general in charge of the United States Central Command, or we call CENTCOM, General James Mattis, ordered an investigation to begin. That investigation began the next day, August the 7th. We're taping this on August the 7th. Four years ago today, the investigation starts and runs for a period of five weeks. General Mattis, the four-star, sends the Army Brigadier General, one-star Jeffrey Colt, to Afghanistan with 2025 officers, and they ask questions and ask questions and ask questions. At the end of this investigation, September 13, 2011, the military closes the investigation, saying nothing went wrong, that this shoot-down was in the fog of war creates what I call a phantom issue about whether the CH-47D, the old Chinook, should have been used to begin with, and concludes that it was fine to use it. But it shut down. Now, there's nothing in that final report, Dr. Dan, about what I just told you about the AC-130 requesting permission to to take out Taliban. That's washed out. There's nothing in it at all about seven unidentified Afghans who jump on the chopper at the last second. That's washed out. There's nothing about the fact we later learn from the British and the French press, that the Taliban was tipped as to the flight plan. 
that's washed out. So it's a big whitewash, okay? It's a whitewash. The reason I know some of the things that I'm telling you about this AC-130 requesting permission, about these Taliban jumping on without permission, and a number of other things that I could tell you about, is because in October of 2011, one month after the military closes its investigation, it invites family members to Little Creek, Virginia. Little Creek, Virginia is the home of SEAL Team 6. There, General Jeffrey Colt, who conducted the investigation, is briefing the family members on why their sons got killed. Here's where it gets interesting, Dr. Nan. Someone, unbeknownst to the high military brass, someone had taken 1,250 pages of materials that just days before had been top secret. These were materials showing transcripts and photographs and maps that had been classified as a result of this investigation. And they had put those materials onto a flash disk. And they had declassified that and handed some of those disks to family members when they came in that day. Senior military did not realize what had happened, but some family members were given disks. When senior military figured out that these disks had been given to family members, they first asked for them back and then decided not to ask for them back. But that's how we know that there's been a cover-up in this case, because I got a hold of one of those flash drives given to me by one of the family members who lost their son and wrote a book based upon uh, the contradictions between the official military report, the cover-up, and the actual investigation itself. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after this break. It is inexcusable to me, and I'm sure to you, to have had the ability to prevent this from happening and have the orders come out, just like in Benghazi. No fire. You cannot engage. What kind of nonsense is that? It's it's an Islamocentric um, policy that is more concerned about protecting uh, our relations with Islam than protecting American life. That's the answer to your question. Islam is more important to this administration in American life. And unfortunately, we have the blood of Americans at Extortion 17 and Benghazi and even at Fort Hood and even at Chattanooga because we're not allowed, uh, our men and women in, in, in uniform are not allowed to protect themselves. At some point, I mean, wouldn't you think it would be, wouldn't you think at some point someone would, someone in the military, someone in that, that AC-130 might have said, look, I don't care what they said. My brothers are in danger. I want to protect them. Let me speak to that. The sequence is that these family members were given these flash drives, and uh, but it's hard for family members to look at those. Not all family members have looked at those. You know, when you are reading details about your son's death, it's difficult. The skipper of the AC-130 aircraft, the, the captain, the pilot of that, of that plane, was deposed in the investigation. He was asked a question, a routine question, about tactics, techniques, and procedures. And rather than answering the question, the pilot of the aircraft said, I've got something I wanted to put on the record. And he puts it on the record, not even being asked about it, that we saw squirters, squirters is what they call Taliban, that's, that's an acronym, moving toward a landing zone that we requested permission to take them out and were denied. He put it on the record. And he wasn't the only officer who was interviewed from that AC-130. There was also the, the plane's navigator who said the same thing. We've been requested to take them out. We were denied. We were told to keep our eyes on them. So he puts it on the record, too. So you have two officers putting it on the record. They're so frustrated. We know what we have on the record, and then there's what we have off the record. When this book, when my book went to um, 
you know, went to the point the press well over a year ago, I didn't know everything then that I know now. There will be more in the book now if I'd known it then. We know now, off the record, that uh, there was an order to members of that AC-130 to keep your mouth shut. We also uh, know that there was apparently an ongoing, almost an ongoing argument over the airways between the AC-130 and ground control about taking these, this tal- these Taliban out. They were, look, you're at 2.20 in the morning in a hot zone. And ground control was saying, well, how do you know they're hostile? How? Well, first of all, AC-130, you see them moving the landing zone with objects that look like RPGs. And they're, they're being interrogated. How do you know they're hostile? You know, and so there was a frustrating argument going on, apparently, we know off the record. We also know that certain crew members have reached out who are feeling guilty. They put it on a record. The pilot and the navigator put it on a the record. They're ordered, stand down, don't fire. And, of course, you're watching these folks move to the landing zone. You don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Then once it happens, it's just like it tears your stomach out. If you're an officer, you know, you're an Air Force officer knowing you could stop this, but you're being ordered not to. It's got to tear that pilot's stomach out. Now, frankly, if the pilot of AC-130 is hearing my words, please come forward. If any crew member on the AC-130 is hearing those words, please come forward. But I'll tell you this also. There were also two Apaches in the sky. And, you know, this is odd because this chopper, Extortion 17, and the sister chopper, Extortion 16, had flown a mission about three hours earlier with U.S. Army Rangers. That mission had gone flawless, put the Rangers down on time, got out of the area. The the area that they took the Rangers was not a hot zone like where they were taking these Navy SEALs. But now we see a situation where the the helicopter ostensibly cannot find a landing zone. However, the AC-130 saw the landing zone. The two Apaches flying saw the landing zone. And you ask about the AC-130 firing, and it wasn't just AC-130, it was the Apaches. The Apaches were also not given authority for pre-suppression fire, but when the Extortion 17 was shot down. One of the two Apaches fired anyway in the landing zone. His adrenaline got to him, and he fired anyway in the landing zone. And, Dr. Dan, let me tell you something. I read the sworn testimony of that Apache pilot and heard him, saw him being interrogated and being, get, you know, reading the riot act by his superiors for having fired in the landing zone after he did it. In other words, we did have one aircraft who fired, too little, too late, but the the pilot of that chopper was given a hard time. You know, how do you know... How do you know there weren't friendlies there? How do you know blah, blah, blah? You know, just, just giving, giving a riot act for firing in a landing zone where someone had just fired an RPG at one of our choppers. This is being driven from the top, Dr. Dan. These foolish suicidal rules of engagement are being driven from the top. And they haven't changed yet, by the way. So, Don Brown, tell me, is there no accountability? Is there no possibility for redress? What What's the story here, Don? What we have to do is folks like you, Dr. Dan, have to have to join in the effort to expose truth on darkness, and you're doing that now. You know, I speak a lot, uh, you know, different groups around, and oftentimes people will come to me and say, it seems so hopeless. It seems like there's nothing we can do. It may seem hopeless, but there is power in truth. It burns like a raging fire, and we have to keep stroking that fire and not become discouraged. You know, your folk, your listeners, please buy my book and read it. Call Sign Extortion 17, the shoot down of SEAL Team 6. And then please write the U.S. Congress and demand a meaningful investigation into this. You know, we've lost more Americans in Extortion 17 than at Benghazi and Chattanooga combined. We lost, you know, four Americans at Benghazi and five in Chattanooga. 
and that life is precious. We lost 30 Americans in extortion 17, and it's been buried below the blankets. And it deserves every bit of the scrutiny, as does Benghazi. Just because there wasn't a U.S. ambassador who was killed and just because a nebulous Secretary of State isn't potentially implicated doesn't mean that those 30 Americans, these Navy SEALs and Air Force operatives and National Guard operatives, they gave all they had for their country and were willing to do it from the beginning. And their lives matter. And if we don't get this word out, then these 30 Americans will have died in vain. So keep spreading the word and fan the fire of truth. You know, Don Brown, I think it's important what you say. We really need to be talking to Congress. I know that you have a website, and that website is www.donbrownbooks.com. And one of the things you suggest is that you can have people call and you will and donate a book to a member of Congress. What a, what a great idea that is. That's call up or get online to www.donbrownbooks.com and order a book and say, I want this to go to my congressman. We, if everyone starts doing that and there's a flood of books in Washington, D.C., maybe, maybe there will be some accountability. Maybe there will be some justice for these, our finest, these, these members of our finest, these Navy SEALs who were murdered and right. were absolutely murdered. Uh, and it's really just inexcusable, immoral, and, and really the height, it just makes me so angry to think about that. Uh, so angry to think about the fact that it could have been prevented and that political correctness and Islamophobia or, or whatever you want to call it from the administration and the, the powers that be in Washington prevented uh, that from happening. Absolutely. And uh, put it this way, Dr. Dan, these, these guys from the beginning, they knew what they were getting into. They knew and were prepared to lay their lives down for us. The least we can do now, anyone who's hearing my voice, don't let them have died in vain. Go to my website, donbrownbooks.com, and thank you for sharing that, Dr. Dan. But also the Congressional Switchboard is 202-224-3121. And call and demand a meaningful congressional investigation. There's been a one-hour-and-a-half dog-and-pony show uh, from one congressional subcommittee involving this, and no, no hard questions were asked at all. And we cannot, we have to, we as Americans who are free and who are no longer serving, and I've served my country and I'm grateful to have done it and would do it again in a heartbeat. But we as Americans have to protect those who are serving us in uniform now. Because if we don't do it, this administration is not going to do it, and the, and the members of Congress are going to stick their fingers in the air and and respond to where the political winds are blowing for the most part. So we've got to put pressure on the Congress to protect these men and women, women in uniform, and now. Don Brown, there has to be accountability. There has to be accountability, and maybe if we do all contact our congressmen, maybe something positive will happen from that. Uh, you have done more than your share. Your books are incredible. Uh, I suggest everyone buy them, read them. The fiction books will give you all that you need to know in an enjoyable way. Extortion 17, that's that really has to be a rallying point for us to demand truth, demand the truth that the American public deserves, the truth that the families of these murdered soldiers deserve. There has to be truth, and the only way to get it is to demand that of Congress and hope 
that enough of them have the morals and the character to respond. Don Brown, it has been incredible having this interview with you. Uh, It's going to be the highlight of our year, uh, and I really thank you so very much for the work you're doing. It is essential that you do this, continue to make us all aware of what is happening in this country today. Thank Thank you you so much. I'm humbled to have been uh, with you. God bless you, and God bless America. God bless you too, sir, and God bless America. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.